Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to the Best of the Robot and Daily Podcast, December edition. I'm recording this in June, so I don't know what will have happened from June to December. Um, I hope you are doing all right and you stayed safe. And yeah, the first episode within this episode is a piece called Nephew Colours. This is based on something that happened a few years ago when my nephew was tapping the baubles on the Christmas tree. And it was it was when he had first uh, learnt what colours were. You know, I, I want to try to keep learning because I learnt what colours were when I was little and I learnt what a brick was, but there's got to be more than just the basics, you know. Um, right, and then the next one is called Crowning a Cracker. This is about those people who keep their Christmas cracker crowns on. I think one of those people would probably have been Tony Benn. I remember reading this piece out or a section of this piece out at Glastonbury and uh, I could I could really feel it. I could uh, feel the atmosphere, magic of Glastonbury and the Vale of Avalon and all that. And the next one is uh, Santa in Summer. It's about Santa going on his summer holidays and the pressures that must come with being Father Christmas and people wondering if you're actually the real one. And the next one is called uh, Decoration Exploration. It's about Christmas decorations and the universe. You know those amazing images you see from the Hubble Space Telescope? Well, I was thinking if you could uh, make Christmas decorations look like that, or within a bauble you could create one of those images so it looks like a universe in there. I think they'd be quite popular. And the last piece is called A Piece of the Resolution. And uh, this was inspired by staying in an Airbnb. And I started thinking about all the world leaders uh, staying in an Airbnb and what, what it might be like. And in this, I touch on that feeling of when you get in an Airbnb and a delivery arrives and uh, you go, okay, here we go. And that's it. That's it for the best ofs for this year. Thanks very much for listening and thanks very much to Plosive Productions for producing them and all the help that they have given me. So now I would just like to wish you a happy new year, all the best for 2022 and uh, yeah, let's get into it. All right. Thanks very much. Nephew Colours. My nephew was at the Christmas tree, tapping the baubles making them swing. What colour's that one, Joseph? He looks around and up at me and says, Orange. Wow. Yeah, that's right. He has learnt what orange is since the last time I saw him. What have I done? Okay, then. What about this one, then? Blue says my dad. I look around and up at my dad and say, Yeah, yeah, 
That's right. My dad smiles. He knows what colours are too, but he likes to keep his hand in. I point at one and say, Red. Grandson, granddad and uncle, united by colour and Christmas time for a few special moments. Crowning a Cracker I wish there was a political party made up entirely from people who are consistently the last to take their Christmas cracker hats off. You can tell a lot about a person from how long they keep their Christmas cracker hat on for. They are radiators, glass fillers, washer-uppers when it's not even their house. We need these people in Parliament. They would get stuff done, lead by example, walk out of Prime Minister's questions without looking back at the standing ovation they are receiving from both sides of the Commons. Self-consciousness left in the bin outside Big Ben. I bet Tony Ben was consistently one of the last ones to take his Christmas cracker hat off. Without a doubt, I would have watched a Christmas speech from him every year. Seeing Tony Ben in the left field tent at Glastonbury had a feeling of Christmas about it. I would now like to read a piece I wrote for the Glastonbury Festival about Tony Ben. He is with us. His words echo off every blade of grass. Determination bounces off trees and into mines. The smoke from his pipe in every plume across the site. No instruments to plug in apart from his guts and grit. He is with us in every... Hold on just a minute. In every... I can't stand by and just watch that. In every bang of a fist on a table. In every teenager who realises for the first time that something isn't quite right. He is with us in every mention of equality. In the absurdity of war... The coals of the fires he left behind are hot and glowing with his words, striking a match under the apathetic. He said he came to Glastonbury every year for one simple reason, because I need a boost. Filling heads with realisation that it is on us if we want to make a change, on us to make a difference, on us to move forwards, not backwards, making people feel those flames in their chest, that heat that comes from someone who is blazing with heart, minds loaded with what he left behind. A huge left-field welcome for Tony Benn. Applause. Action. I will make a concerted effort to keep my Christmas cracker hat on this year. Santa in summer. It's July and Father Christmas and Mrs Claus lay on their sun loungers by the pool in the 40 degree heat of a Falaraki lunchtime. The couple are wearing matching pairs of Bob Dylan 1966 Wayfarer Ray-Ban sunglasses, Bermuda swimming shorts for Father Christmas and a matching costume for Mrs Claus. Rumour of Father Christmas's presence has been circulating around the hotel since his reindeer landed in the car park on Tuesday afternoon. 
Lifting his drink from the boiling slabs, he sucks at what looks like neat whiskey through a suspension-shaped curly straw, the suspension becoming rusty as the copper-coloured fluid passes up past his beard and into his mouth. Robert Miles, children, begins to play from the overly loud sound system. Father Christmas shakes his head. Oh, for God's sake! Can't I go anywhere without being reminded of work? Don't don't worry, darling, I'll get the DJ to skip the track. Mrs Claus approaches the DJ booth. Excuse me, dear. Excuse me. Would you mind terribly if you skip this track? My husband, you see... He can't listen to anything that involves children when he's not working. And we've paid quite a lot to stay at this hotel, as we were told we would be given total anonymity. Ah, all right. Is that really the actual Father Christmas? Asked the DJ. Yes, it is, but please don't pester him. We've come here for a nice, quiet holiday. Well, do you think he'll give me an autograph? No, Michael, I don't. Especially not after all the drugs you've been chucking down your neck this year. You'll be lucky to get anything on Christmas Day the way you're conducting yourself out here, young man. Now, turn that track off immediately. Alright, fine. Look, I'll turn it off, but look. Will you put in a good word for me? You you know, like, the PS5's been released in November and, well, I want to get it for my nephew, but, you know, I'm I'm not earning that much out here. Look. You don't need to worry about your nephew. Little Sammy's doing just fine. As for you, I think you'll be getting an update for your mid-90s dance anthem CD. Decoration Exploration If NASA started producing state-of-the-art Christmas decorations inspired by the findings of the Hubble Space Telescope and selling them as merchandise, I would definitely be investing in all they had to offer. Also, if I were to find myself somehow in charge of a TV advertising campaign for this venture, the voiceover for the advert would go something like this. Since its 1990 launch, Hubble has changed our fundamental understanding of the universe, and now it aims to do the same for a new era of Christmas decoration. Sales across the world of these intergalactic items would lead to conversations such as, I've just got us a new Christmas decoration for the tree. Oh, have you? What is it? Well, it's a bauble, right? But inside, it's an infrared light portrait of a roiling region of Starbirth located 6,400 light years away. Ah, great. Give us a look. Ah, wow, yeah, look. The nebula is mostly composed of hydrogen gas which becomes ionised by the ultraviolet radiation. Who knew interstellar dust particles could fill a house so thoroughly with the joys of both Christmas and the universe? I'd get a star for the top of the tree, and it would come in the form of a star that is 650 light years across, with the potential to unleash a torrent of ultraviolet light that can hit the corners of even the darkest of rooms. People across the world would illuminate their entire houses with miniature models of Orion Nebula, where thousands of stars form inside a cavern of dust and gas, 
but it would not create any mess within the family home as they are but decorations. If NASA made tinsel, it would come in the form of brightly coloured Donnie Darko-style intention energy beams and we would have them all over the flat. A piece of the resolution. It was New Year's Eve, and in a bizarre turn of events, world leaders hired out a country estate in the Yorkshire Dales via the website Airbnb. The main mansion, white and tidy, like a property you might see from above in a documentary about John Lennon. Sitting in the centre of acre upon acre of some of the most effective countryside planet Earth has to offer. Early afternoon and the guests staggered their arrivals on the temporary helipad. Four helmeted individuals dressed as if they should be directing planes on an aircraft carrier stood on each corner of the helipad holding large fluorescent batons ready to guide the first helicopter into a safe landing. With a strict rule of no staff, nor partners, the leaders of the world were to fend for themselves. They had been instructed by a higher power of some sort, possibly royalty, to arrive in alphabetical order of country. The president of Afghanistan was the first to land, rotor blades forcing him to crouch and run. Following the email instructions, the president of Afghanistan found the front door key under the plant pot to the left of the vast black heavy door. The key, large and metallic. The lock, as far from Yale as you can get. A smooth anti-clockwise rotation, the sound of slick bolts moving. Even the president of Afghanistan thought it sounded expensive. Taking a step inside, he flicked a brass light switch up, the type of light switch with a small ball on the end that you normally do with one finger. A chandelier made itself known, as chandeliers often do. This was the type of chandelier that led people to look up, and once they were looking up, they would look up for a prolonged period of time. Even world leaders would gaze up at this with admiration and think about how much it weighed. And they've probably seen loads of chandeliers. The president of Afghanistan's neck began to ache. He then remembered there was an area below up and looked at the large wooden staircase. He pushed the button in on his suitcase handle and palmed it down until it clicked. Wow, he said pushing the four wheels of his case across the white tiled shining floor. Huge unforgiving sheets of white, home to the reflection of the chandelier. He had pushed his case with the deftest of touch, yet off it went, like a puck on an on-air hockey table. He took a step forward, half expecting to slip, but the soles of his shoes met the challenge and kept him in place, now standing directly beneath the chandelier, marvelling at the complex symmetry of it. There was a bang on the front door. The Prime Minister of Albania wasn't scheduled to arrive for another ten minutes. This particular world leader hadn't had to answer a door after it had been banged for a long time. 
He had seen there was a door knocker on the way in, but this person had chosen to ignore it with their fist. He turned the handle and brought the door slightly toward him. From the outside looking in, you'd have been able to see his eye in the crack. All right, mate, Sainsbury's food delivery. There's quite a bit to come in, so if you tell us where the kitchen is, we'll leave it and we'll put it all in there for you. The president of Afghanistan looked out onto the drive to see an approaching convoy of delivery trucks like something from the holidays are coming Coca-Cola Christmas advert. He didn't say anything and let the Sainsbury's man inside. Grim weather, innit? said the delivery driver. Not as bad as yesterday though, mate. I thought my feet were going to be webbed by the end of it yesterday. Tray upon tray of produce was wheeled into the house. Trolley tyres leaving subtle mud trails on the what was immaculate white surface. In and out and in and out they went. The president of Afghanistan watched on having never been witness to the magic of receiving a food delivery when staying in an Airbnb. There must be a lot of you staying here, mate. Have you seen all this gear? Looks like you're set for quite a time. Look at this in here. Have you seen this? Every single brand of salt and vinegar crisps that we stock, they're all in here. You've got Pringles, Walkers, Seabrook, Chipsticks, Discos. Discos? You want to be careful with them, mate. Kettle chips, Tyrrells, oven-baked Walkers ones, pop chips. And look at these, yeah. These are, these are my favourite, these ones, yeah. These are salt and vinegar squares. Uh, yes, please. Have you had these? Huh? Have you had these in a cheese and pickle sandwich, mate? Anyway, what are you having? Some sort of salt and vinegar party? Well, fair play to you if you are having a salt and vinegar party. Sounds like a good party to me. The Sainsbury staff moved quickly like time-lapse cars at night without the red and white lights. The first guest, watching people coming and going like he was watching a tennis match. He began to think about where he had been and what he had been doing for the past few years. The first time he had been given a chance to thoroughly zone out in as long as he could remember. I've got a lot of responsibility, he said to himself under his breath. He was snapped out of this moment of reflection by the sound of rotor blades followed by quick feet on gravel. It was the Prime Minister of Albania. The final crates were being taken through the door as the first delivery driver said, Right, that's us then, mate. Yeah? Hope you have a good time. I'm not sure if you know, but... You've got every variation of every type of crisp we sell through there. I thought it was just salt and vinegar, but the guys have never seen anything like it. It's like it's like full suits of cards or something. Eh? Huh? Okay, well, yeah, we'll be off then. See you later. Who was that? Said the Prime Minister of Albania to the President of Afghanistan in the President of Afghanistan's first language. I've got no idea. They brought a lot of food and drink now said the President of Afghanistan to the Prime Minister of Albania in the Prime Minister of Albania's first language. One of the conditions for attendance at this event of all events for world leaders was that you had to learn every single first language of each individual world leader. It had been quite the undertaking, but this was a happening that made the Davos World Economic Forum look like a weekend at Butlins before it became trendy. The organisers of the event wanted all attendees to work tirelessly to improve their language skills when communicating. When questioned why a world leader must speak every other language in the world and not just that of their own country, the organisers said, You are world leaders and therefore you should lead by example for everybody else. 
If the leaders of the world took it upon themselves to submit superhuman effort to learning languages, people on the top decks of London buses may also be inspired to want to understand every other language being spoken. If the people of the world heard rumours of their leaders' determination to read and learn and look and communicate, maybe they would feel like they were in safer hands. Have you heard what all the world leaders are doing? They're learning every single different language so they can communicate with other world leaders more effectively. Isn't that brilliant? The two world leaders walked through into a long hall with a table that stretched from one end of the room to the other. It must have been 100 metres long. The Sainsbury's staff had emptied the delivery trays out onto the table. It looked like some sort of extravagant supermarket harvest festival. What are we going to do with all this food? They said. Let's wait until more people get here and then we'll decide on what to do. Yeah, but we're world leaders. We shouldn't have to wait for anyone or anything, let alone what to do with a food shop. Over the course of the evening, the gigantic house and its rooms filled up with the most conventionally powerful people on the planet. To say these people are absolutely the most powerful people on earth would be a mistake. I'm sure there's people with auras on them who could make this lot look ridiculously lightweight. The shopping was put away into cupboards and the group dynamic began to emerge. Quiet leaders, loud leaders, a frantic casserole of languages reaching deep into the corners of this Yorkshire jewel of a building. The Prime Minister of New Zealand needed a bit of time out from the now ridiculously loud kitchen. She tiptoed along an unlit corridor for the fun of it, scaring herself on purpose until she came to an out-of-place set of modern-looking double doors. She took a step toward them, and they parted so quickly that she stepped back for them to shut again, which they did, much more slowly. Once they were shut, she stepped forward again, the doors in possession of an incredible amount of pent-up energy. It was a moment when a person suddenly gets a glimpse of what the future could hold, even quicker doors. As she stepped foot in the room, the lights flickered on to reveal a huge, well-lit expanse, similar to when a superhero such as Batman is going to equip himself with the latest gadgets. Inside the room was a gigantic, circular, polished white granite table. In the middle of the table was a large black box, the dimensions approximately 3 metres by 2 metres and a metre in height. Do boxes stop being boxes when they get to a certain size? Maybe this box was so big it could be classed as a container. The Prime Minister of New Zealand took off her shoes and on all fours she crawled slowly into the middle of the table. The box was deep black, that special black, the type of black you get in an art gallery that has earned its place to be in the gallery because it absorbs up to 99.965% of visible light, like black velvet times a million. The Prime Minister of New Zealand moved her hand toward the box, jumping when she felt the surface of the box, touching it. It was like her hand had moved into another dimension. It was almost absorbing the light from her fingers. 
Lifting the weighty lid of the box, a challenging terrain of unmade jigsaw revealed itself. It wasn't immediately clear what the jigsaw was, but the back of the pieces appeared to be light blue, with glossy fronts of black and white. It wasn't in the league of the baked beans in Posse Puzzle, but it was getting close. Ah, you know what? This could be a good team building exercise. She said to herself, and made her way off the table through the fast doors and back into the main area where the rest of the leaders had congregated. Excuse me, everybody. Uh, Sorry not to speak to you in your own language, but... Nobody turned around. Excuse me. Excuse me. The Prime Minister of New Zealand squeezed her way through to a cupboard and pulled out a large wok. She then took a silver serving spoon and started hitting the wok repeatedly. Her contemporaries failed to acknowledge her efforts. They simply turned the volume of their voices up, this forcing the Prime Minister of New Zealand to climb up onto the side of the counter and raise the wok above her head, hitting it harder and harder and also now shouting. Eventually, the room hushed and fell into silence. Ah, right, thank you. I found a jigsaw and I think it would be great for all of us to work together to try to complete it as a team building exercise. If you'd like to follow me, I'll show you where it's located. One by one, she said this to every person of power in their own language, even though they had understood the English. A smile raised every single time. The leaders were impressed with each other's willingness to invest so much effort in each other. They wowed and wooed as they filed their way through the cutting-edge entrance to the jigsaw room. It's so quick. I've never seen a door like it. Four world leaders were the first to climb up onto the table and take it upon themselves to grip one side of the box and lift it onto its side, not without strain. If you are picturing four world leaders who would be hell-bent on showing their physical strength in this situation, then you are picturing the correct ones. The tide of jigsaw pieces washed onto the table, the scale of the challenge in front of them becoming clear. Right, let's get all the edge done first, everyone. Look for the sidey bits, yeah? Said the president of Nigeria. Because it's a jigsaw, they don't worry that they are not leading the fight against it. It really is trial and error, something like this, you know. Trial and error, try something, doesn't work, try something else said the Prime Minister of Malaysia to everyone in their own language, in some cases having to shout across to the other side of the vast expanse of the table. Hours passed. Supplies from the kitchen were brought through. There wasn't much conversation apart from... Yes. Mm, No, no, not quite. Well, nearly. Oh, I've got an edge. I've got an edge here. What's this bit? There was something about this jigsaw that gripped them. There was a distinct thirst to complete it, as if they were attempting to complete the world. Midnight came around, and nobody mentioned the passing of the significant second. Just very wealthy people picking up jigsaw pieces. You can't force these pieces together. They have to be correct. Lines started to emerge, and it became clear over the next few hours, letters were present. The designer of the jigsaw had made the handwriting joined up, otherwise they would have been able to spell anything they liked with the letters available to them. I guess that's why you don't get many text-based jigsaws, and if you do, there is definitely going to be an image of the finished article on the box. 
The first word to be finished was lead, L-E-A-D. There was a discussion as to whether the word was lead or lead. By the morning, through non-stop fixing of pieces, they had constructed the words by example. Yeah, led by example, that's what we've done this year, said the president of Argentina. The last word to be fixed together in capitals was, please. Oh yes, it must be lead then. They agreed despondently. As the final piece was placed, a voice came over the inbuilt ceiling speakers. A child's voice said the words, Please lead by example, and then what sounded like a much more mature voice. Please lead by example. All sexes and variations of age and gender said the same four words. Please lead by example. They stood at the edge of the vast black and white signage laid out in front of them. Please lead by example. The Prime Minister of the United Arab Emirates made his way to the electronic door, shaking his head, but it zipped shut with greater ferocity than it was open with. A beep emanated from where a door handle would normally be. The door was locked. The world leaders remained confined to the jigsaw room and were forced to listen to the people of the world. Please lead by example. Please lead by example. After what seemed like an eternity, the -the state-of-the-art door opened and cool Yorkshire air made its way into the room. It was now New Year's Day and the helicopters arrived. One after the other, leaders of the world lifted into the air with a shared mantra to take into the new year.